Clarissa. I'm the middle school director here, here, Crest. And I'm going to read, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and I'm going to read uh, John 21 through 18. So get your Bibles. And I'm going to say one more time because I'm always the person when you hear first, I forget it. So John 21 through 18. So here it comes. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the, tomb, the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started, started from the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked to the stripes of linen lying there, but did not, did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the stripes of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been uh, wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still uh, lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to re rise from the dead. Then the disciple went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside of the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, had been one at the head and, and the other at the foot. They asked her, women, why are you crying? They had taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they had put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. She, he asked her, women, why are you crying? Who is it you look, are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where, where, where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic in Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascended to the Father. And now you in your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she, and she told them that he had said these things to her. I'm just going to pray for us really quick. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. You are reason. Thank you, Jesus. You are our Father. And thank you for your everything we believe. We are everything. We are clinging it today for that truth. We love you so much. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy Easter, Hillcrest Church. I'm delighted to uh, join you. Um, just so you know that things are a little different, uh, I have never preached to an empty auditorium for Easter in my entire uh, career as a pastor. So I just want you to see what I see as I'm looking out right now. So the camera can pan back a little bit and you can see what I'm, I'm looking at. Pretty good, huh? Well, here we are. I, I, I'm sure you haven't celebrated too many Easter Sundays sitting on your couch, 
having a cup of coffee. I loved the, the announcement uh, that, that took place a minute ago uh, from, from the Brown family. Way to go. Um, what, a, what a picture of what life is like in a, in a normal family on an Easter Sunday. And uh, it's, it's a little different for each of us, but uh, I'm, I'm delighted that you've joined us. If you're visiting for some reason, you dropped in, you found our website and decided, hey, I'm going to give a shot of uh, uh, Hillcrest Church on Easter Sunday, we're glad that you're with us. And uh, please come back and join us next week. We're, we're doing the best that we can to try to figure all this out so that we uh, make it as smooth, as smooth as a process as possible. And we are as anxious as you are to come back here in our uh, bodily presence and be together. We don't know how long that's going to be, but uh, when that happens, we're, we're going to blow the windows out of this place, okay? So uh, be ready for it. Well, the scripture that was read for us just a moment ago is, is, a, uh, is a wonderful picture of what went on that, that first morning uh, after Jesus' uh, crucifixion, his death and his burial and uh, his being sealed in, in the tomb. And the scripture says that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb to pay her respects and express her grief. Jesus was dead. She saw Jesus a few hours before nailed to a cross, and then she watched as his life drained out of him as he labored for every breath. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb because she needed to say goodbye. She needed to bring closure to the death of a good friend. Mary came to the tomb with a broken heart. And I suspect that she wondered, what would she do now that her Savior, her friend, was gone? The Gospel of John tells us on the first day of the week that Mary came. And then Mary saw Mary saw that the stone was rolled away. You know, she, she expected to come to the tomb to cry and to pray and remember, and instead, she found that the stone had been pushed aside, revealing this gaping hole leading into an open tomb. Mary saw what had been closed and marked with finality was now set aside. Mary saw that even as Jesus' life was disrupted by death. Now Jesus' death was disrupted by an empty tomb. Without further investigation, or perhaps believing that the grave robbers were still hiding inside the tomb, Mary turned and she ran to the other disciples. Mary came, Mary saw, and then Mary exclaimed, Mary's exclamation was not a, a, a cry of resurrection joy like we are experiencing today. Rather, Mary's announcement to the other disciples was a proclamation of fear and, and doubt and perhaps even despair. They, they've taken my Lord out of the tomb and I don't, I don't know where they've laid him, she said. Now notice that at this point in the story, Mary believed that Jesus' body was stolen. She had no sense that Jesus had risen from the dead. Her exclamation, her declaration to the other disciples kind of compounds her sense of grief and loss because she was fully expecting to arrive at the tomb that morning and find it exactly the way she left it the night before. 
Mary didn't even look inside the tomb. She, she simply saw that the stone was rolled away, and she assumed at that moment that Jesus' body was stolen. Mary came, Mary saw, and Mary declared to the others her worst fears had come true. When the other disciples heard this unsettling news, John and Peter raced to see what, if what Mary had said was true. Peter took off first like, like an Olympic athlete, poised to win the 400-meter dash. The disciple whom Jesus loved, this of course is John's way of referring to himself, was right behind him and finally overtook Peter as they arrived at the tomb. Now, now understand, understand that the disciples approached the tomb not expecting to see Jesus' body. We're told that the first disciple to arrive at the tomb didn't even step in, inside the tomb right away. When Peter finally got there, winded, out of breath, out of shape, he pushed his way through the entrance of the tomb to see what neither Mary nor John had the courage to see. Peter needed to confirm with his own eyes the testimony of Mary that it was true. Peter rushed into the tomb that day because he needed to satisfy his own curiosity. That, that, that was the least he could do given his track record of denying Jesus a, a few days before. And instead of finding Jesus' body neatly wrapped in burial cloth, Peter is surprised to find that the cloth is, is neatly folded and the tomb is empty, sort of like this building. And that appears to be enough for Peter. Mary was right. Someone had to come in the middle of the night and probably stole Jesus' body. Peter came. Peter saw. And Peter confirmed what Mary said was true. After gathering his courage, John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, approaches the tomb, probably with a little bit more hesitancy than Peter did, and he, he peers inside. Perhaps John looked into the tomb for the same reason that Peter did, to, to confirm what, what Mary said was true. And then the scripture makes this startling assertion. Perhaps you caught this when Clarissa read it for us a moment ago. It says this, he, that is John, saw and believed. Mary came Mary saw and Mary declared that something wasn't right, something was amiss. Peter came, Peter saw, and Peter confirmed that the tomb was indeed empty. And then there was John. John came, John saw, and John believed. What appears at first to be sort of a straightforward description of events of Easter morning is really John giving us a glimpse of his heart. John confesses in so many words that until that moment when he, he looked into the empty tomb, he wasn't really expecting to, to do anything more than, than verify Mary's declaration. My Lord is gone and I, I don't know where they've taken him. John came to the tomb that day with the same disbelief as Mary and Peter. One moment, John is racing to verify the testimony of one of the other disciples, and the next moment, he's looking into an empty tomb, and something else happened. John is moved to believe. 
You see, the path from unbelief to belief is often a very short distance. But there, in the dim light of an empty tomb, something strange and, and wonderful happened to John. The evidence didn't support his assumptions, and as a result, John moved that day from unbelief to belief. What started as a foot race ended in a journey from doubt to faith. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next Sunday, as you've already heard. You see, we shouldn't really be surprised by this, should we? Moving from unbelief to belief happens to us all the time. Some of us couldn't believe it when, when someone loved us enough to say yes when we asked them to marry us. At least that's my story. Others of us couldn't believe it when we heard the news that we were pregnant for the first or, or the second or the third time. We all had to move from unbelief to belief, even if it took a few dirty diapers and a crying baby in the middle of the night to help us change our minds. You see, religious belief is no different than that. Many of us have spent our childhoods learning Bible stories and attending Sunday school, and, and somewhere along the way of our childhood, uh, our childhood faith has turned into adolescent doubt, and perhaps for even some of us here today, we have become outright uh, unbelievers. This is a common story. And if you're listening to this remarkable story about the transformation of a disciple's heart as he was confronted by this empty tomb and resurrection life, and just like the disciples, we don't know exactly what to do with all of this. We don't know what to make of it. Some of us are convinced by the truth of this remarkable story. And hearing this truth again reminds us that even in the midst of our, our social isolation, our, our homeschooling, our binge watching of Netflix, there is hope and promise for those who entrust their lives to a Savior who was dead but is now very much alive. There is a risen Savior who gives strength to those who are exhausted from too many hours of essential work. There is a risen Savior on whom we can depend when the world around us appears to be spinning out of control. There is a risen Savior who will provide for our most basic needs of health and security. And even when we wonder if we will have the resources to make it to the end of the month, or perhaps for some of us, even the end of the week. Whatever state of unbelief you may find yourself in, because all of your moorings have come loose and your sense of security has disappeared, you're in the same place as the disciples were that morning. In fact, I think that we might be in the best position of all to stumble into an empty tomb and rather than simply see or confirm that the tomb is actually empty, perhaps this morning we will see and we will believe just like John. Some of us may be convinced that the tomb is empty, yet we're not quite convinced that that matters so much in our lives. And somewhere in the midst of our unbelief, Jesus invites us again to come and to see and to believe. You see, the struggle for belief in an age of coronavirus is real. The invitation to look into an empty tomb is risky, 
yet. Here we are. It's Easter 2020, and we have another opportunity to look into the empty tomb and decide whether our prevailing assumptions about whether Jesus was risen from the dead or not still hold true. Maybe, just maybe, it will be different this time. Maybe this resurrection story that describes the journey from death to new life will become our story. Maybe this resurrection journey from unbelief to belief will become the distance that we travel this year. A well-known author of children's books named C.S. Lewis puts it like this. You never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. And I would add, it isn't until all of our assumptions have been laid bare and every other option has come up short that believing in something really matters. This resurrection story is not just good news for the people named John among us. It's also good news for the blustering Peters and the fearful Marys. As Mary returns to the tomb, still expecting to be filled with grief over an empty tomb, this time she musters up the courage to gaze into the tomb only to see two angels sitting where Jesus was laid. Then as she turns, she encounters someone she mistakenly believes is a gardener. And in her disbelief, she asks the stranger if she knows where they have laid him. And here, in the tranquility and quiet of a garden tomb, the faithfulness of God is revealed even to those who failed to see and understand the first time. Jesus speaks Mary's name. And at that moment, Mary, Mary's tears of sorrow become tears of joy as she sees Jesus, the risen Lord, and just like John, believes. The good news that I want you to hear today is that no matter who you are and no matter where you come from, you are invited to look into the empty tomb and see and believe. This is the good news that, that, uh, that Easter is about. This good news welcomes us to come and to see and believe. And if this is the year that the good news of an empty tomb calls you from unbelief to belief, then welcome to the company of those who have already discovered that believing in the risen Jesus makes the present challenges that we face small in the light of eternity. Yes, this Easter morning may not be what any of us expected, but thanks to God and thanks to faithful witnesses like John and Peter and Mary and dozens of others who've come into our lives who saw great grave clothes and finally believed that God is alive, Jesus is alive. If God can do that, friends, if God can do this on Easter Sunday morning in 2020 while we sit in our living rooms uh, experiencing Easter in a way that none of us have experienced it before, then I can, I can assure you that there is nothing that God cannot do. And if that's not reason to celebrate this Easter, I don't know what is. Will you join me in prayer?
holy and risen Lord. Some of us, regardless of the circumstances of our worship this morning, are exuberant and thankful and overjoyed with the reality of knowing, seeing, and believing that you are risen. And our life has been turned upside down as a result of that. And I pray that you would continue to, to shape us and mold us and, and move us as, as transformed people because of that simple fact. And there's some of us who are sitting in our living rooms or at our kitchen tables right now, and we're not quite sure whether we believe this stuff or not. And I want to pray that for those of us who find ourselves in that place, that just like Mary, as we, as we return to peer into the tomb a second time, would you show yourself would you call us by our names, that most intimate way of knowing, and invite us yet again into this relationship with you? Whoever we are, wherever we come from, whatever we've done or failed to do, oh God, may our Easter joy this morning be rooted in the belief that this story is not some fable, this story is not something that a bunch of disciples conjured up because they needed an ending uh, to, to a good movie. But this story is true and is life-changing for those who choose to believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.